Greetings, well met, and welcome to Level With You, a WoW Classic podcast. I'm Liam. I'm Austin. And Austin, uh, before we get started, I just want to remind everyone uh, what this show is and uh, how we're playing it. Uh, So we're playing a few hours of WoW Classic every week, uh, the Burning Crusade Classic. We're on the Grobulus US West server. I'm playing as Maeve, the Paladin, and Austin is playing as Varthrus, the Rogue. We're both humans. Yep. And before we get into any more WoW talk, Austin, how was your week? Uh, it's pretty good. I finally hit affiliate on Twitch, so that was Congrats. pretty cool. Thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, but other than that, just been playing a little WoW and, you know, other stuff like that. What about yourself? Um... So, I have two things. So, one is, there's this uh, Cajun food place that my fiancé and I have been trying lately. Ooh. Um, it's really good. Uh, my fiancé usually gets, like, the jambalaya or, like, the gumbo, or they have, like, this pan roast that's pretty good. I've been getting their sandwiches. I think I've tried, like, every different, like, sandwich combination they have at this point. So, I'm really enjoying that. I love jambalaya. I haven't had that in a while, though. But party around with a good sandwich as well. It's not like every day you find a good Cajun food place in, like, Southern California, so... No, yeah, it's very far away from where you yeah. find a good one. Uh, I visited a friend in Colorado back in April, and we went to a cafe that was, like, Cajun, and it was really good. Nice. Uh, and then my second thing... Um, so this is, like, a... This is like a humble brag, first world problem situation. But my work, I've been working there for five years. They gifted me as part of my, like my five-year anniversary uh, an espresso machine. <gasps> I'm so jealous. I've always wanted an espresso machine. Um, it's been kind of fun learning to like set it up and use it. Um, but it's also like the most work I've ever had to do for an appliance in my entire life. I 100% believe it. Um, I've had to go through the journey of like taking it apart. I had to buy all the tools that I needed to take it apart because I didn't have them. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to like buy a bunch of like various products to like clean it or as like accessories and things like that. And it's probably cost me in like the six months or so that I've had it more than just buying coffee. Yeah, I was gonna say like you probably have to buy like the steam pitchers and just all the various cleaning things and yeah, all that stuff. the the taking it apart in particular. So that's been like a huge headache uh, this last week, but it's working. <laughs> it's just takes like constant upkeep and maintenance in a way that I don't know if I was like knew what I was getting into when I selected the espresso machine as my gift, my free gift. But yeah. It's still nice. Yeah, no, we have espresso machines at work, and they they do have a lot of upkeep, but they're pretty great. Yeah. Um, so with that, I think it's time to log in. And this week, we uh, got a quest to, that takes us to a brand new area, and that's Westfall.
don't know about you, Austin, but Westfall is like, it has a lot of the same sort of themes and characters and tone as Elwyn Forest, but because it's kind of this more barren desert situation and things are a lot more dire, it mm-hmm. just felt a lot, uh, maybe a little bit darker. Yeah, it felt more, it felt more bleak. Um, in my notes, I wrote down and felt like, like it was a harsh, like wasteland almost. Like yeah. there are farms and stuff that were in Evelyn Forest, but in Westfall, there it felt like there are a lot more of them, which made sense. It's kind of like a grassland area, but a lot of the quests this week were just, "Hey, can you go collect some things for my farm?" <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. While like that was more of a backseat in the previous area. Yeah, so we meet a few displaced farmers. Um, they have a quest that's like go get back our family heirloom, go gather some cooking ingredients. Can you go drive off these, uh, like, harvester robots, which are the first, like, kind of science fiction-y thing we've run into? Yeah, I think we encountered a blunderbuss as loot from um, our fight last week. But other than that, yeah, this is, like, the first, like, science fiction, science fantasy type stuff that we've encountered. Yeah, and to go along with this slightly darker tone, uh, this was kind of a big difficulty spike as well. It really was. I died a lot more this week. Even today, I was finishing up some of the quests and, I don't know, died like almost half a dozen times just trying to kill some gnolls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's just more enemies. Um, some of them will just be a few levels higher than you kind of out of nowhere when other enemies that were the same enemy type were a lot more manageable. So you Mm -hmm. really have to kind of pick your spot. It's really easy to kind of engage on one enemy and then have one or two more enemies kind of patrol their way over into you. And now you're in this huge fight and you've got to find some way to disengage. And yeah, just really easy to die this week. Yeah, that happened to me a lot as far as either... um... I'm fighting one and another one patrols its way into me and then aggros or there were a couple of groups that I was trying to fight. I think it, it was the Nulls definitely today where if you engage one, you engage like they're, they act as a group almost where like you engage one, it starts running over, then the other three run over and it's just like, well now I'm fighting four Nulls and I have to yeah. have to run away and try not to die. And then they all yeah. just run back to their camp together and it's just like, uh, I just want to pick off one of you at a time. And it was a lot harder to do that this week. There's also, for the first time, we have these um, patrolling enemies called Dust Devils, which are just <sighs> way stronger than the enemies yeah, around them. Yeah, I encountered those yesterday or the day before. You, right. you just can't fight these things at the level that we're at. No, you literally just have to try to run as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah. And for... Because you don't have a sprint or anything, right? Like, you're just kind of always the same speed, right? That's right. Yeah, that sounds tough. Yeah, I have, I mean, I still have, like, the defensive cooldowns and stuff like that we talked about last week. Like, I have mm-hmm. my my blessings of protection and stuff like that. But that those tend to be on kind of a long cooldown. And, yeah, it, it was definitely, um, I had to pick my spots a lot more this week. And I kind of learned the lesson of just because I can pick up a quest doesn't necessarily mean I can complete that quest yet. Yes, I encountered that as well. I did a lot of exploring in the area. And I found my way down south, and there's a lighthouse, and I pick up two quests from there, and one of them, like, the quest the add-on is nice, it tells you, like, what level the quest is recommended for, um, 
it's like level 19 and the enemies that it wants you to fight were multiple levels higher than us so i was just like i'm gonna have yeah. to leave this one for a little while and maybe come back later yep so we end up kind of making our way to sentinel hill which is kind of the main settlement in westfall and we learned that the Stormwind monarchy has kind of abandoned the citizens of Westfall, particularly against uh, the Defias Brotherhood, who have a huge presence in the area. Um, it feels like they kind of run Westfall. Yeah, this definitely felt like their territory. Like, they even have a whole town that is just, they took over. <laughs> in addition yeah. to having, like, you know, previously, like, they had maybe taken over a farm or, like, a small camp. In this area, it's just like, yeah, this very much felt like the Wild West in the fact that, like, yeah, th there's, like, settlements and farms, but it's mostly, you know, outlaws that are patrolling the area. Yeah, I wanted to bring up that it feels like the Old West. And the citizens have even formed, like, a little militia, to, the people's militia, to hold off the bandits. Exactly, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of overlapping quests that we get either from the farmers or um, from Sentinel Hill. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of what we've done to this point already. It's, you know, fight off some gnolls, fight off the Brotherhood. There's a lot of uh, cooking-related quests for whatever reason, uh, like killing animals for ingredients. We fight off some buzzards and some uh, boars just for cooking ingredients. Yep, we had to make some stew and some pie this week. Yeah. And we do fight with the Defias Brotherhood a little bit, the Defias Trappers that we fight suck in particular because they will throw daggers at you, mm -hmm. and they also do a new thing. They can uh, snare you with a net that stops you from being able to move around. Yes, that was uh, caught me off guard for sure. Like I understood that their name was Trapper, but I just thought that was like a profession and not necessarily what they are going to do in combat. <laughs> yeah. So... Before we get into any more of the quests, how did you feel about Westfall and just your time doing these? Because that's most of the like content that we have. I have a few more notes here, but for the most part, that's just basically what we did. We ran around, we died a lot, uh, and we fought some some Defias Brotherhood. Uh, I like I said earlier, it felt very like a very stark difference from the forest and the. Um, the abbey that we start in where those are like lush green areas you know it seems more protected i guess like like i said like you know there are enemies e either off the road or in little encampments but this one felt a lot more dangerous more you know just like the wild west yeah i definitely like the the wild west as kind of the the callback for it because it does feel like you're kind of in the middle of this desert or this kind of sparse plains area. Mm -hmm. And you've got these outlaws kind of terrorizing the citizens. and Yeah, yeah, you have like yeah. these outlaws that have set up like in a nearby town. There are buzzards flying around. Like it's very thematically like I can very easily associate it with the like Wild West archetype. Yeah. Just to talk a little bit about Sentinel Hill some more, our like main settlement. Um, there's an inn there. There's a place we can set our hearthstone point to. So that's kind of acting as our new hub for this area. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a few merchants we can talk to. But I think most importantly, um, and this comes with a quest attached, there is a, a flight master. Yes. And this is something that I mentioned 
I think, on our first episode briefly, but we get an idea of how it works this time. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, some areas will have a flight master, and once you speak with the flight master, you unlock um, a flight point, and you can fly from point to point for a small fee. And the one that this connects us to is Stormwind, and we get a quest to kind of ping pong between the flight masters and deliver some stuff. Yeah, and we did have to pay for the rides, but like the quest reward more than made up for what you had to spend on it. Um, but yeah, it was it was very fun. It was like nice to kind of just like sit there and watch as your character flies on the Griffins um, to and from. You know, just kind of like a night. Like it's not necessarily like it's faster than walking, but it's obviously not super fast. Yeah, it's it still takes a little time. You definitely get the feeling of distance, even though it is like kind of the fast travel option without using your hearthstone which is on an hour cooldown which is pretty significant exactly yeah i only use it like when you know i absolutely need it (laughs) for the most part yeah um the nice thing about going to stormwind is westfall kind of leaning into the fact that it's a little cut off and isolated doesn't have any like profession trainers or class trainers or anything like that so Having the flight path unlocked and going back to Stormwind, that's an opportunity to pick up, um, you know, anything, any kind of upkeep and learning new skills and stuff like that that you might have unlocked by leveling up in Westfall. Yeah, and I definitely took advantage of that. And I also backtracked a little bit to the forest because I did pick up um, a profession this week since I forgot to last week. Oh, nice. I got skinning, um, so I had to go back and learn it from the forest and then i come back to westfall and then i'm like okay i'll skin some stuff and it's like no you need to level it up before you can skin the animals in this area so i had to go back a little bit and uh beat up some mangy wolves before i could <laughs> come back and start skinning the the boar tusks and things like that that were in westfall yeah you luckily we're still pretty early in the game so catching up on a profession isn't too bad and also luckily it's not really essential it's just a way to kind of easily make a little bit of extra money while you level up exactly Um, but while we're in stormwind i got my first class specific quest i got a um, paladin quest and this was kind of a long chain i ended up going and delivering some cloth to like an orphanage and then eventually, um, I actually had a quest in Elwyn Forest, and it was to go resurrect someone oh. who had uh, been murdered by uh, Defias members. Um, and I went and I, I did that. They gave me like a special item to resurrect the guy. But then at the end of the quest chain, I learned the spell Redemption, which allows me to resurrect allies, which is super cool. That is super cool. I was not necessarily in a group, but I was near other people who were fighting some Defias people in the first stage of that quest. And I died, and I was like, I was starting to walk back, and it was like, Blank wants to resurrect you. And it's like, uh, that's awesome. Of course, (laughs) save me some time. So it's cool that you got that ability as well now. Yeah, the resurrection skill um, is pretty cool. It's a really long cast time and costs a lot of mana. So it's not really viable in combat. And mm-hmm. when I'm solo, I can't use it on myself, obviously, because I'll be dead. I can't cast anything. So it's not a huge um, 
utility for me right now, but once we start grouping up and doing dungeons and things like that, it's going to be essential that you have somebody who can resurrect people. Yeah, I noticed this, a similar thing with like a long cast time with first aid, because I had been making the bandages, but I finally started using them, and they're not great for in combat, <laughs> because you can get interrupted and then they just really yeah. don't do their thing, so... They're like a yeah. stronger version of food, I guess. Um. Bandages, basically, yeah, you could technically use them in combat, but like you said, if you get damaged, they're interrupted. Mm -hmm. So it's tricky to use them in combat. They do restore your HP a lot faster than eating. Um, and the nice thing is, eventually, we'll get to a point where we have some longer duration crowd control abilities where you can like stun an enemy you're fighting mid-fight and then while they're stunned, you can bandage yourself up a little bit and then go back to fighting. So that'll be uh, something okay. we kind of unlock later. Gotcha, that makes sense. And I also just sold some extra ones off because I had accumulated quite a few. And yeah. I was like, I don't think I need 40 of these bandages. So <laughs> I yeah. turned that into like a little bit of a money-making um, endeavor as well. Yep. And then speaking of professions, Westfall has some new herbs to gather. Uh, there's Mage Royal... Briar Thorn, and then Bruiseweed, and the only one of these that I noticed any sort of pattern with was Bruiseweed tended to be near structures, like abandoned buildings or things like that. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of content this week, like, it's, it feels like they throw so many quests at you, and it's so much to do. But it really is pretty straightforward. It's go kill these enemy types and gather these items and then turn them in. Or go run from this place to that place. Yeah, pretty much. There is a lot of... Like, everything is really spread out. So And there are a lot of enemies in between. So it is nice that you're just like, yeah, go out. And it's it really helps to have a lot of quests active at once. So you can just be like, alright, I'm just yeah. going to go kill a bunch of enemies in this general area and then I'll eventually collect enough things that I can go back and turn all these quests in. Yeah. Kind of the nice part about having, you know, it was a little bit more difficult, but also if you found yourself kind of butting up against a tough part of a quest, there was always another quest not too far from you. So exactly. you could kind of go back and forth, maybe, certain enemies would spawn at points where they would patrol out to be a little bit isolated and then you could pick them off but then you would be left with only like a pack of dense enemies and then you'd go oh, i don't really want to fight them i'll go over here and fight these other enemies and then i'll come back later once those stragglers have respawned and it makes the quest a lot more manageable yeah i definitely did that with the nulls because i tried to fight the group a couple times like by aggroing just one of them but they all came together so i had to return and just kind of wait till the stragglers respond and do that a couple times yeah speaking to the jump in difficulty um back in the day they used to publish the most deadly enemies in the game that's the enemies with the most um player kills in the game oh wow the things that people have died to the most mm -hmm. and in one particular poll early on uh, kind of the number one enemy was this huge endgame raid boss that was known as this really big difficulty check. 
And then right below it, number two, was the Defias Pillager, just one of the Westfall neutral enemies. Yes, I 100% believe it. I don't know exactly how they work, but it felt like there was a couple times where a message would pop up that said, you need a melee weapon in your right in your main hand to do this ability. So they're like, do they steal your weapon while they're fighting you? I did notice that. And I also noticed that my unarmed skill went up a little bit too. So And uh, it did kind of look like my character didn't have one of his two weapons. So I was like, do they steal one of your weapons? Do they pickpocket it um, while they're fighting? Is that one of their abilities? Because I wasn't sure. Yeah, I didn't write this down in my notes, but one of them does have a disarm ability, and it applies a temporary debuff to you. It's just a few seconds, but while that's applied, yeah, you technically won't have a weapon equipped and won't be able to use weapon skills, and you'll be just punching with your fist. Yeah, which was uh, not great for me. Luckily, I had an offhand, but it still stopped me from using some of my skills. And like you said, uh, you have an unarmed skill, and when your weapon skill is really low, it's really hard to hit enemies or deal damage. So all of a sudden, you don't have... You not only aren't swinging with your weapon, you also aren't hitting anybody. Exactly. It just is like a a stun that's not exactly a stun, but it was pretty annoying. So, Yeah, lots of, like little complications this week just in terms of how dense the enemies are the abilities that they have and kind of how they throw them at you i want to talk about one quest in particular that i felt like was just a little bit mean Mm -hmm. um and this is a quest to go gather a family heirloom in a farmhouse that's been abandoned and the defias have kind of taken it over and you, you go over there and there's uh, two or three enemies camped out in the house, and one of them is a named enemy who's quite a few levels ahead of you. And it's a long... You can't just, you know, run up, kind of take damage from the enemies, grab the heirloom, and then run away. It's like a long cast time to... To open like, the box, yeah. Open the box, and if they hit you, it'll interrupt it. So you have to fight them, and that named enemy could almost just solo me by himself i had to use like all of my cooldowns to get through that fight yeah i've noticed that they do that with a lot of the containers like chests or this in this case like the container for the heirloom just so that i guess stops you from like running up grabbing it and then leaving but yeah Yeah. it's definitely mean i stumbled into finishing that quest actually um i was kind of exploring a little bit and there's another player who i noticed had like was fighting them and then that he like they had died so i stood i stayed near because i noticed like when you resurrect like your health isn't all the way so i wanted to like help protect them a little bit so when they got up or when they you know i was taking some of the enemies and then uh they basically like we had ended up kind of like <laughs> the enemies had died and not necessarily respond yet so i was like oh cool we kind of like accidentally found our Team way into up. this house yeah and like we didn't have to fight them like by myself luckily because this person yeah. was like already doing the quest, and I was just like, oh, what's over here? Oh, cool, an heirloom. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic that can happen sometimes, where some mm-hmm. quests, in order to get credit with somebody else, you literally need to be in the same party. Mm-hmm. In some quests, it's actually counterproductive sometimes to be in the same party, because it's a random loot drop, and parties share loot tables. So you're literally taking the item drop away from someone. Yeah, like the fact that it's just like the little container you could i think anyone can just kind of open it 
Yep, yeah. and sometimes you get ones like this where it's just something in the overworld that you need to click on, and anyone can help you, whether you're partied or not. Exactly, yeah. And I did that a few times this week. Um, I tried to, at least, since, like, you mentioned that a common courtesy is to, like, just throw buffs on people as you pass them by. If I, like, noticed, it's like, oh, corpse of blank, I would try to kind of hang around for a second if I wasn't too busy just to let them come back, and that way they don't get immediately overwhelmed <laughs> when they're yeah. only at, like, half health and half uh, resources or whatever. So that way they could kind of come back and not just immediately die again. Because I've had that happen to me before, where it's just like, I come back, but the enemies are still, like, so close to my body that I just, like, I just die again. <laughs> it's just like, ah, I just want to get away. Yeah, I think um, this week, with the difficulty spike, it's definitely made me be a little bit more aware of any help I can get or any help I can provide. Mm-hmm. And it kind of pushes me to do that in a cool way. Like it's the game sort of pushing you to interact with other players via difficulty. Mm-hmm. And it definitely feels like this is the first zone. I mean, we had to do the Hogger quest as a group up quest, but this is the first area where you get a lot out of helping other people and being helped. And just playing solo is not super tenable even if you're technically the right level and in the right place right and like i said i wasn't necessarily technically in groups but there have enough people nearby doing similar quests to where we were able to help each other out which is pretty nice yep and once we finish off that sort of initial round of quests we do get another set of quests um these are mostly travel related um You didn't have a chance to get started on this, but it's going to be kind of our main topic for next week. It's going to take us to a whole other zone called the Red Ridge Mountains. And those are to the uh, east of Elwyn Forest rather than to the west of Elwyn Forest. Yeah, I zoomed out on my map a little bit to see where it was going to take us. And I noticed that it was like the uh, basically going the other direction on the road that kind of splits off from Goldshire. Yeah, it's a... It's a big walk for now, but I can tell you there will be a flight path on the other end, and it'll allow us to kind of circumvent the big Elwyn Forest trek in the future. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, But we're not done with Westfall. Um, Next week, we're probably going to stop in and do some stuff in Red Ridge, and then come back and finish off the uh, Westfall quests, and we have a lot of unfinished business with the Defias Brotherhood, so... That'll be next week. I assume we would be back, because like I said, there are a few quests that were fighting some murlocs down south that were a lot higher level than, than I was. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first time the game is trying to give you the idea that you aren't always just going to be questing in one zone. Sometimes you'll have a few quests at this level in this zone, and you'll finish those off, and then you'll move to another one, and finish off another round of quests, and then come back. And then maybe you ping pong between, or maybe you have a few different zones that you're rotating through. So it's getting right. a little bit more complicated than just, here's the hub in Elwyn Forest, to do every quest you see, they're all going to be pretty much at the right level range for you. Mm-hmm. They're iterating on it a little bit. Yeah, and which I like, because the Sentinel Hill is sort of at the, at the top, like the top of the region map, and I'm assuming once we come back we'll start exploring further and further south. Um, just getting a bigger picture of it all altogether. Yep. 
Uh, any other thoughts on kind of the first half of quests in Westfall that we haven't covered yet? Um, let's see. Not a ton, really. Um, I enjoy doing the griffin riding. That was fun. Um, and then just a lot of the fetch quests. And yeah, like we talked about it earlier. The dust devil really caught me off guard because I was trying to kill some of the boars for one of the, the you know, recipe quests. And <laughs> I was just like, what is that? And I click on it. And at this point, we're like level 13. Uh, I finished her like level 14, 14 and a half. But at the time I was level 13 and it was level 19. And I was like, good Lord, I cannot even come close to that. Yeah. And eventually I was fighting something and one of them or it, I don't know if it was the same one, did end up aggroing to me. And I was, <laughs> I just like had to run. I was just like, oh God. This is going to be a recurring theme is that there's some variance in the enemy levels for each area. Mm-hmm. And some and, and some areas will have kind of um, enemies that you're not supposed to fight. You're just supposed to avoid them, or you're supposed to group up and fight them if you want to fight them. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. It's an interesting dynamic. I think it's trying to get you to be a little bit more careful about how you navigate the world. Right. Similar to the bandits that were in the first area, near like the forest of the abbey, that kind of teach right. you to stay on the road. I think it's a similar um just hey be mindful of where you're where you're walking do they only come out at night because i only noticed only saw them at night but i didn't know if that was just happenstance or if they're only like a nocturnal enemy that's a good question um i know that there's some like weather patterns or timing patterns to certain enemies and when they spawn um Mm -hmm. but I i would believe you um i guess yeah, we haven't talked much about the weather patterns, but I did run into like some rain this week that was kind of interesting. Um, oh, cool. You said there's like a day-night cycle. Mm-hmm. So there are little... I think it's nice in a game that often you're playing for hours at a time to have just some sort of environmental flow to it. And right. I think they did a good job with that. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem stagnant. Especially, like you said, when you're playing for hours. It's nice that you're like, you see some things changing in the background. Right. Uh, I also did notice, and I don't know if it's, again, a nighttime thing or not, but I was walking around and there was like a church. I believe it was near the town that the Defies Brotherhood has inhabited, but there are a bunch of ghouls, like zombie creatures in like a graveyard. And I was just like, I'm not going anywhere near that, but (laughs) I thought it was really cool. Um, Yeah, they were like... I didn't run into that. Yeah, I think it was like a great. I think it was a church that was in that town of like um, Moonvale. I think it is. Oh, okay. Um, that they have like kind of taken over, and it was like a church. And then out back there was like a little graveyard, and <laughs> there was just a bunch of uh, ghouls standing around. And I think there was a Defias member in the middle. And I was like, are they like necromancers? Um, I don't know, but I'm sure we'll get into that sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's really interesting just the variety of enemies they're pulling from i think i said earlier that you know a lot of the enemies that we're fighting are the same enemies we've been fighting this whole time like the gnolls are recurring the murlocs are recurring even things like the wolves are coming back Mm -hmm. um but it is always cool when you go to a new area just to see like what are the new weird monsters that you run into and a lot of the times yeah they'll be in just certain corners that you may or may not 
stumble upon there will be a new enemy type and it's like what is that yeah what is that it looks very scary yeah some good what is that value this week agreed agreed also um i went down south and there was like a lighthouse and the person who gives you a quest they need one of them it's like killing some murlocs that are like much higher level than i am and the other one was like retrieving flask of oil and i can't be for certain but i when i talked to the person it seemed like they were like some ghost pirate captain <laughs> i yeah. don't know for sure if they were but it looked like they might be this one isn't in my notes because I, I didn't travel that far south to it but i've done this one before that's a fun quest um the lighthouse keeper that's maybe a ghost uh i think it is implied that yeah he's he's kind of haunting the lighthouse okay and he's kind of you're putting him to rest by doing his quests that makes sense he had a yeah his he had like this bluish tint to his character and i was like i is this like supposed to be a ghost i wasn't really uh, sure yeah yeah that is wow language for this is a spirit that makes sense just a person with a weird kind of filter over them you can usually guess there's some sort of shade or specter or something like that okay that makes sense and that makes sense to you because when you're dead everything does look kind of blue so uh, yeah, I guess they it are does, tying yeah. those things together visually okay yeah I didn't, I didn't connect those dots but that makes sense Well, that's it for most of our content this week. Um, we do have a listener question. Oh, cool. Uh, this one is from my friend Sean, and he asks, and this is again about MMOs. Austin, since you don't have a ton of MMO experience, you can kind of let it branch out to RPGs in general. Okay. Uh, but the question is, when you make an MMO character, how much of yourself do you put into the character? Hmm. And I guess I'll start off. Um, it really varies for me depending on the character and which game I'm playing and how I'm playing. And I'll explain what I mean. Um, one example is I play um, Final Fantasy XIV sometimes with friends, and they all have a good bit of fun with like having little character backstories that they have in their head and. Uh, at one point, I like changed the um, the race of the character that I was playing, and I wanted to kind of justify it in kind of like a character backstory way. So I thought up a little explanation for that, and then that took me kind of a little bit further. And then I thought about, okay, well, if if they have that bit of backstory, then what about this? And then I, I that kind of sprawled itself into a fun story. But some characters, I really don't think about it at all. Um, it'll just be, yeah, this is the mechanical like class race that I want to play, and I don't think about it too much. Sometimes it'll be um, I stumble into it either through, yeah, my friends are kind of talking about it, or I do something really flavorful and cool that makes me examine it. But I'm, I'm kind of all over the map with it. Yeah, I'm kind of similar. Um at least like so like i'm i'm thinking of um a couple different examples both like D, where you are supposed to have more of a like a backstory and there's more role playing involved and then single player like rpgs sort of like fallout 
or Elden Ring, where a lot of the time, <clears throat> it's not purely like mechanical, but a lot of it is. And though I do like, <laughs> I don't know, I guess I do put some of it into it. Um, cause like, there's like, you know, certain play styles I like tend to enjoy, but usually on my, like, at least on my first run through a game, I usually, uh, do put like a lot more in, of just like, oh yeah, this is just how I'm going to interact with the world versus like, oh, I'm going to play this type of character who's going to be more like a certain archetype or something, if that makes sense. I think my default is that I start off as kind of like God gamer brained where like, I'm just going to make the best decision no matter what and not think about character stuff. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes certain things happen that will get me to embody the character a little bit more. And once I get into that space, I will start to kind of role play a little bit and bring myself into it. But I think my default state, at least in like video games is to not do that. Like you said with, uh, you know, like D&D or something where you're more explicitly role-playing as part of the experience, I think I try a lot harder to either find a story that I'm interested in sort of playing, mm -hmm. like, um, almost like if I were putting on a play, like, what would be, like, a cool character to perform as? Right. Um, and usually I try to bring, like, something in my life into that performance, Um I, I can remember one time where I specifically gave a character like a specific flaw because it was a flaw that I felt like I kind of had and I just made them really exaggerate everything about that flaw to kind of get myself to think about it and to kind of figure out like, how do I feel about this? What are like my boundaries with it? How do I like get better at this? Right, like a caricature almost. Yeah, and I, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I've definitely done some of that as well before too. At least like in like tabletop RPGs where, you know, this is a character archetype that I want to explore or, you know, this is the sort of thing that like I want this person to sort of like embody. So, but with video games, I tend not to do that as much. I feel like it's more like, oh, I kind of want to play like this sort of play style and make decisions that I would make. So I guess to answer the question, I do put like a little bit of myself into the character where it's like. Uh, like I notice in video games a lot of the time, I have always I always have trouble being like the evil character, because um, sure. I just feel so bad. <laughs> so I'm just like, uh, I don't like I make the decision that I think is best, like from my perspective, I guess, versus like the character's perspective. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Like even if you're not really trying to bring any of your perspective in, if a game has choices, like you're just gonna naturally have some of that going on. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I think that answers Sean's question. Let's get into our final segment. So this week, I want to talk about a notorious player of World of Warcraft. Um, previously, we've talked about kind of, um, you know, memes, things that happened online. But this is actually something that comes directly from uh, a player's actions in game and kind of the reputation that they built for themselves. And also, um, 
Westfall is our first PvP area. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. It hasn't come up because Westfall is really isolated from all of the Horde zones. But you'll notice when you go to Westfall, it throws a text up on your screen that says Contested Territory. And what oh. that means is that if a Horde and Alliance character in Contested t- Territory run into each other, they can both attack each other. Um, if you were in, say, Alliance-controlled territory and a Horde character showed up, the Alliance would be able to attack them, but the Horde player wouldn't be able to attack until they were attacked first. Oh, I see. So it's a bit of a handicap. But now we're in kind of PvP zones, so that's a little bit more on the table. Um, Westfall is still pretty secluded, so I don't think this will come up yet, but I wanted to get into a notorious PvPer. Okay. And uh, this person is Angui. It's spelled A-N-G-W-E. Okay. And they're a notorious orc rogue griefer um, from the Deathicus server, specifically um, in the very early days of WoW, like uh, pre-patch 1.5, which is the patch where they introduced like dedicated PvP zones and instances that you could join. And kind of world PvP was the main way, just running into people in the open world. And okay. the spot that Angui picked was Menethil Harbor, which we haven't been to yet. But um, in WoW, there's kind of two main continents. There's Kalimdor, and then there's the Eastern Kingdoms. Right now we're on the Eastern Kingdoms. And there's from the Eastern Kingdoms, there's only a few ways to get to Kalimdor. And each way that gets you there puts you at kind of opposite ends of the map. So Menethil Harbor can put you more towards the north of Kalimdor, whereas a few of the other places put you more towards the south. So it was a really important strategic area um, for Alliance players, specifically like low-level players, but even like high-level players would have to go there as well. Okay. And the way this worked is that occasionally a boat would show up to a dock and you could get on the boat, and then the boat would wait, and then it would leave. And eventually, once you got a certain distance away from the dock, you would go into a loading zone, and then you would be in the new area. So what Angui would do is he would camp. Um, he was a rogue, so he would camp in stealth on the dock. And when the boat would come in, uh, people would get on the boat. He would get on the boat in stealth where no one could see him. And then as the boat would leave the harbor before the loading zone would come up, he would try and kill everyone on the boat <gasps> and then jump off and swim back to the dock. Oh my gosh, that's evil genius. Just yeah, like, oh, look at this, you're trapped in here with me. <laughs> and this was, like I said before, um, Battlegrounds, but there were specific items that you could only get through getting PvP kills in World PvP. Mm-hmm. And his stated reason for doing this was he wanted to get to 100 honorable kills a day. Um, and he didn't do raiding or dungeons, so this was just his way of farming kills. And it was usually against high-level players, but it was also it's also located in kind of like a low-level zone. So he would just kill any low-level players who happened to be kind of passing by. The term honorable kills, I feel like it's doing a lot of heavy lifting because, I don't know... Sneaking this onto seems a, very sneaking, dishonorable, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, sneaking onto a boat to uh, murder unexpected people doesn't seem super honorable to me, but I could be wrong. Yeah, so it 
in game it means that you kill someone within a certain level range of you. Mm. So he's trying to get kills on high level players, but he wants them to be kind of secluded. So he picks the boat as a way where, you know, sometimes people just get on the boat and they go AFK while the boat's going to go through a loading zone and then they check back and they're dead. Right. Uh, also, one really important thing, if you died in the boat on the dock before the boat took off, and it took off before you could get back to your body, you missed the boat. Oh, no. So you were stuck there where you knew a ganker was until the boat came back. And then even once the boat came, you weren't safe either because you would get on the boat. And so, then, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so, like, would your body teleport to the ne- the zone or no you had to be alive when the teleport went through otherwise okay, so interesting so like to get back to where your corpse was you had to wait to where the boat like to get back onto the boat basically well sometimes you would respawn but then you would have to wait for the boat to come till you could get to safety oh i see i see so once he kind of had you there he could camp you basically Jeez, yeah that, um <laughs> and i guess you don't really want to take the huge hit to your durability and stuff by responding at a graveyard but that seems like the only real option you have right yeah or you could try and just run away but a lot of people of course took it upon themselves to try and fight him off um and because he didn't raid or do dungeons and he was trying to get to a certain number number of kills per day he was prolific um he eventually created um an alliance character on the same server um called angui spy So that he could screenshot messages from Alliance players um, getting mad that they were being killed and camped. Because you can't talk to the opposite faction normally. And sometimes he would even, like, uh, send direct messages to the players he was camping from the Alliance character to try and goad them into... How would he even uh, be logged in on two different accounts? Is that something you're... Two computers. Oh, okay. Wow, so this is very dedicated. So I'm going to send you a link here in okay. the Discord chat. And at one point, he maintained a website where oh he would my gosh. leave up uh, just horrible shit that people would say, being so angry that uh, he had killed them. Um, I'm not going to read any of these on air, because a lot of these are pretty bad. But if you scroll down, um, it's kind of what you would expect from a video game player getting really frustrated in 2005. Yeah. Um, and this just sort of escalated over time. Um, eventually, um, at one point, so at one point, um, an entire guild of kind of low to medium level players tried to mobilize to kill him. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was, they had like one, like max level character and then just a horde of level like 30s and 40s, and they would just sit on the dock and try and fight him off. And he would show up and fight them and try and just kill as many low-level characters as he could before they took him down. So would um, he have to travel back to that area from the horde zone if he died? or It's an area where horde players could reasonably be, but where you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be. Um, it was definitely like... You wouldn't just choose to do this. Like, he had well, a no, specific yeah. goal that he was trying to, to oh. achieve, and he would put work into it. Oh, for sure. I just didn't know, like, if they managed to kill him, like, how difficult would it be for him to, like, just do this again? Oh, he he didn't stop. Okay, got it. 
Yeah. Um, I guess, so he has, um, this story kind of blew up um, years after the fact, where people, like, discovered the website. Um, he got featured in various articles as, like, WoW's most notorious, like, griefer and camper and things like that. Um, a few people have interviewed him to talk about, like, hey, why did you do this? Um, and I guess his story is that he came from EverQuest, the, one of the big MMOs before WoW. Mm-hmm. And I guess in EverQuest, um, it was a lot worse, basically, uh, for PvP. Like, people would just mercilessly camp and do, like, really horrible stuff to other players in a way that, um, you know, WoW has some bad uh, griefer stories, but this is, like, um, exceptional. Whereas, yeah. uh, the way this person tells it, this was just, like, a normal thing that would happen playing EverQuest. Wow. Um, at one point, um, his Alliance character created a guild called Minions of Angui. Um, <laughs> and if you were in the guild, you got safe passage on the boat. Incredible. So, That's very uh, funny. Um, I, know, I know we're going to talk about this on a later episode, I'm sure. But the South Park episode, was this was this Angui like an ex, like an uh, inspiration for... He might have been because there's a griefer character in that. Um, I, I don't know how detailed we're going to be about the South Park episode because it is something that I want to cover because it was very important in like WoW and greater culture. But I also don't really like South Park. I, as but, a younger person, I I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I've definitely flip flopped on that. Uh, yeah. So I also don't necessarily enjoy it anymore. Or its impact on culture, but... I don't know if we'll talk about the Griefer character when we cover that episode, but yes, I would not be surprised if it was inspired by this guy. Yeah, because I remember that person was like a huge Griefer. That was like a big issue with the of the episodes. Yeah. Um, it You know, it was definitely something that happened, and we're on a PvP server, so eventually, um, once we get maybe into the level like 30s or 40s, we'll run into a little bit more PvP. Um, but yeah, sometimes, um, high level players will just camp and kill low level players just to make them feel bad and make them log off. It it is a thing that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot less common now than it used to be. Um, also, um, it really varies depending on the area because like you said, um, where Horde and Alliance can reasonably get to has a lot to do with how frequent pvp is and what levels characters that pvp are right so like yeah technically a horde character could show up in westfall and start causing trouble but they'd be really isolated so they're not really going to do that exactly yeah another nice thing about the quest system is that you know if you're trying to get a certain quest done in a certain area and people won't leave you alone there's usually another quest in another area that you can do that's you know commensurate so exactly it's um it's not inescapable um you know one of the things that uh eventually happened with this guy is people would post like there was a guide at one point like how to avoid this guy oh my and how gosh. to not get killed by him um a lot of it was tricks about like okay if you're on the boat already and you're coming into the harbor and you don't want to die 
don't wait for the boat to get to the dock. Jump off while it's still in the water and then swim. Right. Um, that way he won't he won't find you. Or you could add Angui Spy as a friend, and that would tell you if he was online. Oh, and if the spy was online, then you had reason to believe that, okay, the main character is online. That makes sense. So, I don't have... I think that's it for Angui. They're, like, a prolific character. If you do want to read some of the logs of things that people have said, um, just search them online. You will find them. Uh, definitely uh, language warning for some of the stuff that people say. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I'll just say that. I'm just scrolling through, and it's uh, not great. <laughs> yeah. Um... We've talked mostly about how nice the community has been so far, but uh, you definitely can see the bad side of the community sometime in screenshots like this. Right, exactly. And also, you know, 2005, a, a bit of a different time as well, for sure. Oh. Especially for, like, big online games. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I guess my only last question is, do you think that the name Angui was chosen like before like they decided to do this or after <laughs> like do you think like i'm gonna make them very angry i i really want to know because a lot of people i guess pronounced the name wrong they thought it was like angway or something like that but he went out of his way to be like no it's angry yeah like, like you're very angry <laughs> like you're very angry yeah so i have to feel like this was intentional that's what i thought too so i just wanted to make sure like, I, I just really appreciate the dedication to the bit at that point. It's definitely, you know, I think it's kind of horrible, but also I really appreciate the, uh, just the commitment to the bit. That's Yeah, exactly. Like, like creating a, an alt to, like, spy on people and then naming it Angui Spy is really funny. It's very, yeah, the, the, just, the audacity is pretty great. And then having a guild <laughs> where it's just like yeah you can join this guild and then have immunity to it it's just yeah it's commitment to the bit is very good because yeah, really this person they could have just never they could have made an alt with like a completely random name and no one would know they, they could have just not put the website up and probably no one would have found out about it either exactly like, but there's like they really leaned into it yeah and I think that's why they'll go down as the most notorious griefer slash camper of all time. Yeah. All right. Well, Austin, uh, I think that's it for this week. Um, we're going to do plugs. I'm at, so I'm still at Puppeteer Click on Twitter, but I've realized that I think I want to start plugging my other uh, Twitter account since Puppeteer Click is kind of uh, a Magic the Gathering focused account. Mm-hmm. And if you're not into that, uh, you might not get a lot out of following me. So I'm also at putrid underscore imp on Twitter. And Austin, where can everyone find you? Uh, so on Twitter, I'm at PatriotFan09. And I'm also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash PatriotFan09, where we just hit affiliate. So you can now subscribe and send me bits and other things like that. Um, so that's really cool. You still playing Elden Ring? I am. No, I made it to Rat again at the end of my last stream, so we're right at the end. All right. Well, definitely tune in and catch that. Uh, Once again, I don't have a sign-off. Ooh, I have one. Uh, I have one. Hit me. All right. Everyone out there, just uh, keep calm and try not to be angry. (laughs) All right. 